Let us pray. O eternal word of God, let your light shine in here and all across the world that we may see you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, Amen. Please be seated. As the events of the presidential election transpired this week, you might have prayed a portion of the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, today, the kingdom comes in the form of a parable because parables are the kingdom breaking into speech. 43% of what Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew consists of parables. The parable of the ten bridesmaids is the kingdom breaking into our world today through the mouth of Jesus. Jesus sets the parable up by saying, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. We may know a lot more about politics and voting protocols after this week, but if we have ears to hear and eyes to see, we may encounter and come to know the nature of the kingdom of God right here today in this parable of Jesus. Parables are the kingdom breaking into speech. The kingdom of heaven, as Matthew likes to say, or the kingdom of God is an eruption in history, not outside of it or at its end. It manifests in history, in the now, today, in the person of Jesus, who is the embodiment of the kingdom of God and who speaks to us today. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus speaks of himself when he says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God comes near to us in Jesus and erupts in our world through this parable. When Jesus tells parables, retired Duke Divinity Professor Richard Lisher teaches that Jesus offers them as a lens through which to glimpse the actual presence of the divine in the ordinary situations he depicts. Thus his parables do not enshrine a body of truths, but suggest a method of approaching and experiencing the truth. The implication of the parables is clear, he goes on, if one cannot meet the kingdom of God amid the pots and pans of daily life, of what earthly use is the kingdom? We meet the kingdom of God on earth this morning. We hear the kingdom of God amid the counting of votes and political pundits and political calculations, accusations, tensions, and divisions. We encounter the kingdom of God in our ordinary world during this tense time as ordinary as bridesmaids and a bridegroom. Lamps, foolish 
people and some wise ones, people who are sleeping, flasks of oil, delayed bridegrooms, voices crying out, people selling oil, a wedding banquet, doors that are shut. This is where the kingdom is in the ordinary aspects of our lives. The kingdom of heaven will be like this because the kingdom breaks through and into our ordinariness and the mundane as we shop for groceries at the store, as we stood in line to vote, as we watch our children at their little league baseball game, as we tend to the flowers and vegetables in our gardens. The kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven erupts to rupture our spiritual numbness. With parables like the ten, ten Bridesmaids, we could very easily talk about who's in and who's out of the kingdom. Which fools are locked out like the five bridesmaids? And who are the wise that win the prize like the other five bridesmaids who get to party all night long with Jesus or through eternity sing on and on at a wedding banquet? We might like to imagine which Republicans or Democrats take up residence in the kingdom of heaven or which ones we'd want Jesus to keep out and send to Sheol. But there's something more here than taking bets on people's lives. The kingdom of God breaks into speech through the parable not to enshrine truths, but to speak a truth that offers a way of approaching and experiencing the truth. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The bridegroom was delayed. The way of the kingdom is a way of waiting. This week, the nation was eagerly waiting for final election results, and now we wait to see how the next couple of months unfolds. But there's waiting in the kingdom of God, too. Advent is so much more than just a liturgical season. It is the whole Christian life, one long Advent, one long wait for Christ to come again. At this juncture in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is foretelling his death and resurrection, pronouncing woes, predicting the destruction of the temple, announcing signs of the end of the age when the Son of Man will come on the clouds, wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, famines, earthquakes, persecutions, the sun darkening and stars falling from heaven, all at an unexpected hour. This is all very apocalyptic. 
And in apocalyptic scenarios, a futurist view of the kingdom serves as a present source of comfort for the followers of Jesus as a vision of the Lord's sovereignty. Yet Jesus refuses to allow his followers to make fanciful predictions and senseless arguments about the date of his reappearing. No one knows the day nor the hour in the future or the present, now or later. We don't know when Christ will appear in the present or future. Either way, there are often long delays. There are twists on our journeys. There are unexpected circumstances which we are unaware of. Things don't often occur as we imagined in terms of timing. Often we can only wait, knowing that we don't control God nor time. We don't know the day nor the hour nor the answer. We wait for the unknown. We wait for the diagnosis from the doctor. We wait for a coronavirus vaccine. We wait for God to answer prayers. We are always waiting. The kingdom of heaven will be like this, waiting. Through waiting, we encounter the kingdom of God because in our waiting, not in our rushing, we will eventually encounter Christ. It is the way of the life of faith. Take it or leave it. Waiting. The kingdom comes near as we wait. We have to wait for resolution, for healing, for a light. This is a sign of the kingdom of God in us and among us. The psalmist put it another way. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And as we wait, hopefully, we are wise enough to be prepared while waiting with enough oil to keep our lamps trimmed and burning. The last five parables in Matthew all urge readiness in part anticipation of the Lord's appearance. As we wait, we can be wise and ready for the next surprise the next move of God, ready for Christ to come among us when we least expect it. Wisdom recognizes that there will be waiting much of the time. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like on earth. We wait. The kingdom of God is not only near in our waiting, however, but also in our awakening. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The way of the kingdom is an awakening. A beloved hymn to so many of us, Be Thou My Vision, has a verse that says, Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. But in Matthew, the implicit message is really waking and awakening, not sleeping, is the entrance to light. Waking and waking, thy presence my light. 
You can see no light if you are not awake. And maybe many of us are often asleep, unaware of Christ's illuminating presence among us, the kingdom of God right under our noses, before our eyes, underneath our fingertips. To be awake is to be attuned to Christ in our midst. The kingdom of heaven will be like this, an awakening. All throughout Matthew, Jesus says, keep awake. The kingdom of God in the flesh, Jesus urges again and again, keep awake as people tend to fall asleep, as in our parable. In Matthew 24, through the telling about the coming of the Son of Man, we hear to keep awake. In the Garden of Gethsemane, in Matthew 26, as Jesus nears his death, he begs his disciples to stay awake. But again, they fall asleep. And of course, in relation to today's parable in Matthew 25, we hear Jesus urge, keep awake. All throughout this gospel, we constantly hear, keep awake, or stay awake, or watch. This is watchful waiting. One can sleep while one waits, but not in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom is a waking up out of slumber, attentive to a God who never sleeps nor slumbers. When you are awake, you align with and are alive to God. To be honest, through all that has been happening in 2020, perhaps we've become numb and fallen asleep to the kingdom of God among us in Christ. We might be more awake to all of the social problems and ruptures or COVID-19 metrics. But today, there is a call to stay awake to the presence and appearance of Christ whenever and wherever that may happen. The kingdom never sleeps and breaks in and through all of life's circumstances, including a pandemic. But are you awake? Or as some say, are you woke? If so, that may be a sign that the kingdom of God is at work in, in you and among you. Jesus wants us to wake up. Waking and waking thy presence, my light. And this awakening is not only a heavenly-minded anticipating the return of Christ. It is earthly good as we experience the kingdom even now in our day. Are we awake enough to be ready for the bridegroom's wedding banquet? Are we awake enough to see Christ's appearance whenever and wherever it occurs, even in a garden of agony like Gethsemane, where he urges his disciples to stay awake? Are you awake enough to see Jesus and his suffering among us? The kingdom of God is near in him. And just a little bit after the parable of the ten bridesmaids, we learn that he appears in the hungry the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the prisoner. 
Are we awake enough to see him in the disinherited of the earth, the most vulnerable victims in our world? The kingdom of God breaks through in speech, but appears in Christ, in those whose backs are against a wall. Are we truly woke? We might be asleep, and the kingdom might be right in front of us, among us, without any awareness. But now is the time to stay awake if there ever was a time. Some call our national situation a time of reckoning, dealing with a pandemic at the same time as a racial and political tensions. I mean, that may be so, but it is also a time of spiritual awakening to all the loss, lament, hurt, pain, suffering, isolation, divisions, splits, rifts, and chasms in our society. If we don't see this, or if we don't care, we are clearly asleep. Just as in the past when there were the great awakenings, which were fervent spiritual revivals beginning in the 18th century and beyond, Maybe we need our own great awakening to be stirred out of our own slumber. It may look most certainly and sound different, but as people of faith, our awakening might lead to a reckoning for our faith. We see the political reckoning all over the media but through the voice of Jesus today, we encounter our own spiritual reckoning. Are you awake? Two other lectionary passages assigned for today challenge us to hear this wake-up call to the church. In one of the scriptures in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua challenges the people to choose whom they will serve the Lord who brought them out of Egyptian slavery, or other gods? Are you going to serve a god of a political party or political ideology, or a god of a social issue, or a god of nationalism, or a god of hate, or a god of divisiveness? Or will you serve the god who delivered Israelite slaves out of Egypt? Will you serve the God who delivers the oppressed and outcasts and captives? Will you serve the God who delivers us out from sin to salvation in Jesus Christ? Church, no president will save us. Only God can deliver us. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Who will you follow and choose to serve? And the other question is, how will we be the church going forward? In Amos chapter 5, the prophet Amos challenges us at the Lord's appearance. We can no longer play church, but we need to be the church and do the church's mission as the body of Christ in the world. What do I mean? I mean that we can say and sing Jesus all day long. 
But if we don't do what Jesus did, it's noise, according to Amos. His prophetic words ring out, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, and the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Justice is a biblical virtue all throughout the scriptures that Jesus himself proclaimed in word and deed from the very beginning of his ministry when he quotes the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. The prophets force us to deal with the question, how will we be the church and do the mission of the church going forward? What the world needs now what the nation needs now is a church that will do what Jesus did. Will we only engage in works of piety or will we engage in works of mercy and justice too? We are being awakened to the fact that being the church takes more than singing songs or playing instruments and holding festivals or preaching another sermon, though all of that may be great. The church is to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Church, this is our wake-up call, and we need to wake up enough to probe who we are really serving and how we are really doing church in Christ's name. Though our current circumstances have been tough for many, and this is a very long journey, maybe right before our eyes, in our ears, underneath our fingers, in the smells of the air, through our mouths, a great awakening is happening as the kingdom of God comes near in Jesus Christ today. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. I want to be wise. And I will wait, but I will also stay woke.